to extract the word of God from it, we look at the 40th chapter of Isaiah, and it says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she had received of the Lord's hands double for her sins. And the reading scripture came from First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Uh, in this question we ask in the title of the message, are we comforting others during these last days? During these last days in which we have a lot of turmoil going on around us. And I almost preached this one, preached about this from the book of Leviticus, about the manslayer, because we have so much murdering and killing going on in the land today. And it's because of our ways, it's because of forsaking the Lord God. And until we return unto the Lord God, we shall have no comfort, we shall have no way, until we walk in His Word. And that's what comforts us. It's the comfort where with the God of all comfort, which came to us in flesh, he came to us as a man, and he spoke to us. And he told us, let not your heart be troubled, for you believe in God, and believe also in him. And I'll do a refrain on those words constantly throughout this today. And... uh Maybe I, if I can get the lighting just quite right in here where it's not having a glare. But uh, I think I told you Wednesday night that I was going to speak on this also again Sunday because it talks about the millennial reign may be where you have a final warfare that's over with. It says your warfare is accomplished. But he told Isaiah to speak these words. He says, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. And that ye seems to be to Isaiah, but it's also a plural ye. That has went throughout the years and throughout the times that he was talking unto his prophet to speak comfortably to his people during that time that he was warning Hezekiah and telling Hezekiah we need words of comfort at times. I, I can't sit up here and pound and pound into you without giving you words of comfort or words that go back to where we rely on the promises in the Word of God. But I also need you to be walking in His Word so that I won't be be a false comforter to you. You know, you sometimes you go to films and you hear people saying things or whatever, and it's just kind of like words, and it's truly not any comfort in their words because it's kind of what everybody says, and it's not from the spirit, it's not from the heart, but it's just something said. But the Word of God, as I was praying in the prayer, like the Psalms and the other things, it, it's inspirational, it inspires us, it lifts up the spirit. 
it lifts the spirit, and that that's what you're trying to revive is the spirit man wherein our hope lies in Christ. We'll see across the thing I want you to look at, and I, I'm trying to get the message into your mind that he's asking us also to comfort one another. And he says in Thessalonians, with these words, with what words? The words of God. The word of God. Because as he told Isaiah, that the grass withered, the flower faded, faded, but the word of God shall stand forever. Those promises that he gave us to let not our heart be troubled are, are solid words that we don't have any troubles down here. You know, we have tribulations or whatever, but all that is done with, it's completed if we walk in Christ Jesus. It is finished. He had paved the way where we have rest in Him. He had accomplished our our salvation, and the battle is no longer ours, but it's His battle. Now, in the flesh, we'll have trouble. As Paul says, we will have those things in the flesh, as long as we're down here. But the words of God should comfort you during those times that you're troubled in the flesh. Comfort. Comfort ye my people. He says, Speak unto Jerusalem, their warfare is accomplished. Hezekiah needed comforting here because he had been told that he was going to die. And those were striking words to him. But then he got a reprieve from God after he prayed to God because he was a man that had followed God's word. And if you, let me speak to you to try to help comfort you. If you have followed his word and kept his commandments, your heart shouldn't be troubled. And when sicknesses and circumstances and things come upon you, you should look to the God of all comfort. And we should be able to comfort one another during those times. We should be able to see those problems or hear those problems. That's why it says forsake not to assemble together of yourselves because he don't want us to become introverts. There's a commercial from Geico or somewhere where this lady's sitting at the table and the Geico lizard is talking to her and she says she's an introvert and she says it's extremely rare. Well, you shouldn't really be an introvert and a lot of God's people are introverts and the churches seem like it's telling them to be introverts because they're dependent upon themselves or whatever and not dependent upon God. If you're dependent upon God, you'll know his words that it's not good for man to be alone. Stop trying to handle your problems alone. Don't do as the word of faith churches have so people with so many problems and things going on that you're afraid to confess your faults to one another. You're ashamed to tell one another that something's going on in your life and would you get together and pray for me with the church pray for me and all these they used to come in and say look i'm asking the church to pray for me because you know my son he just worrying me to death and this is going on in my life and i have a problem with mother jones uh, so and so and they would tell you to pray for them because they know uh, they knew that they couldn't do it themselves I don't know if Hezekiah tried to do all this himself or whatever, but he prayed and prayed unto the to God because he was a man that was alone, 
And in these final 15 years, God gave him a family. He gave him a son and a wife, and Hezekiah lived, but Hezekiah, toward the end of his life, those things, baby, and the material wealth that he had prospered in the Lord and had grown in the Lord may have gotten him high-minded and lifted up with pride, and God left him. It says the Lord left him, not withdrew away from him or took his spirit away because we know God says he'll never leave us or forsake us, but, you know, he do, does leave us to try us. Yes. He does try us as he tried Job to see what's in our heart. And he says, let a man examine ourselves, and we should be consistently examining ourselves. And Hezekiah failed the test. Hezekiah failed the test, and he showed the... Babylonian ambassadors, everything he had in his home or whatever. And after showing them these things, the prophet came to him, Isaiah came to him and said, Hezekiah, who are these men and what have you done? And Hezekiah told him, he says, I showed him everything that was in my home. And Isaiah said that that was not the right thing to do and that God was going to cause these same Babylonians to take everything he had into captivity, everything that he had showed him, everything that he, there was no inheritance that was going to be left for his posterity, that even his posterity was going to be taken in captivity. A lot of our prosperities now are in captivity. They're in bondage to the world. They're in bondage in Babylon. A lot of us are in bondage in Babylon because we hadn't been loosed by God's word. But Hezekiah had been loosed by God's word. And when Isaiah told him these things, he said, but you shall have peace in your day. You will have peace in your day. And Hezekiah said that that's good. A lot of people look at that and say that was kind of self-centered. That he's saying that that was good. It was going to happen to his children. And he at this time seemed like a very humble man because we know in that prayer that you went back and read, I, I was wondering when was someone, I just wanted to find out was any one of us could go back and read because you couldn't get anything out of this if you didn't go back and read that because it showed his heart. He says, I'll humble myself. I'll go in your sanctuary and I'll sing in praise to you and I'll walk humbly before you. Are we doing that this morning? Because that's where the strength is. That's where the reassurance and the comforting is. That's why he wrote those words. He says Hezekiah wrote these words. And in reading those words, he said that is good. The word of the Lord is good. Uh, that's in the 8th verse of the 39th chapter. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. That's good. Isn't that good? If, if Isaiah told him that, that his warfare was over, God had defeated the Assyrians, they didn't have to fight. Aren't you tired of fighting and struggling? He says, Your warfare has been accomplished. Comfort ye, comfort ye. He was comforted. That, that's when he didn't go in and pray that God would change his word and do something else. You know, once before when God had told him that he was going to die, he asked God to change that. But this time he says, good is the word of God. 
will we let God's will be done? His will is be doing, being done in our lives and it strengthens us. And sometimes we ought to pray to God that He would give us strength to go through because He's equipped us to go through and that He not change the suffering or that He not change some of these things because that's where His strength is, is in weakness. It's in our mortal weaknesses. He says, good is the word of the Lord. Peace and truth in my days. Peace and truth. You know, peace is one of the components of being comforted. Peace is a great component of confidence. And Jesus Christ says, I am the truth, I am the way, and I am the life. So that's why he said it, because he was comforted with those words. It's going to be peace in his day. His warfare is over. Now it's up to us to tell one another the good news of the gospel that our warfare, the carnal warfare is over. We should stop fighting and struggling against flesh and blood. That warfare is over with. We have to put to death the old man. We have to die daily. That's the struggle we in. We have entered into his rest, into the spiritual rest of Christ. We should let the Lord fight the battles. We know now that our warfare is over also. It's not just when they're planning us in the grave. We're not fighting against flesh and blood anymore. We realize it's not that. It's against spiritual wickedness in high places. But it's his people we're talking to. He says, comfort ye my people. I'm telling you the other day that I didn't preach the eulogy at that funeral. And I see why a lot of pastors nowadays don't preach funerals. They don't preach a lot of funerals. It's good to preach a church-going person's funeral. Because the people in there, they would understand what are you talking about. But there were one former member here that they asked me to preach a eulogy at his funeral and I preached on being faithful because he was faithful, but someone had been in unfaithful to him. But trying to eulogize him was the time to speak God's word to those unbelievers because they couldn't be comforted because they didn't believe in God. They had transgressed God. They had transgressed man. They, they were walking in. I couldn't do nothing but give them a false comfort, but I had to speak the word of God. I had to be able to say like Isaiah told Hezekiah, you shall die and you shall surely not live. Yes. You know, if you continue in your ways that you shall die and not live, you speak that to the church. That's why I say sometimes we have to, we come in here preaching fire and brimstone, but that's what the word of God is because when you're talking to God's people, they know that they hear the voice and they know that those words are not unto them because John says, because we keep his commandments. Yes. You know, my mother used to sometimes talk and I would say, mother, but I didn't do it. She said, well, shut up, dear. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the ones who have done it. Yeah. You know, that's what the word hits the word. When the word hits you, you go holler now. But if you catch a Christian hollering and going on, he's been hit. Now you throw a rock in a pile of dogs, the one you hit go holler. But there's a lot of scared dogs out there. Do you hear a lot of church people hollering and you don't know if you hit them or not? I've, had, I've, I've seen dogs, the whole pile go away hollering or whatever. It's that they're scared. You have to get the scared people out from among you or they'll make everyone else scared. 
See, you have to be strong to be able to comfort others. You have to know God to be able to go comfort others. See, Job's friends came to comfort him. They couldn't comfort him because God wasn't working through them. Job says a miserable bunch of comforters you are. He had to end up praying for them. Comfort. Within the assembly, we are not to pro- we are to prophesize, but not all prophesy. What is prophesying? I keep telling you about prophets and prophesying. And Moses said he wished that they would all prophesy. You remember they tried to tell Moses that was some prophesying in the camp, and he says Moses that they prophesying in the camp and tell them not to. Moses says he wished they would all prophesy. And it says Philip in the New Testament had four daughters that was prophets, that prophesied. That's not a female or male office or whatever. That offer that office is no male or female in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ Jesus, you should prophesy. Now, prophesy is not somebody jumping up for telling. F-O-R-T, forth, telling, uh, speaking the future or whatever. But it's foretelling. Forth telling, yeah, it's forth telling and not foretelling, F-O-R-E, not telling the future or whatever. See, because it, that that's the way the word got out in the New Testament church when they had the house churches. And that's what Paul was speaking here in the 14th chapter of Corinthians because they had tried to do that within this church. People was jumping up, speaking in tongues and doing a lot of things. And Paul said, look, now this has to be did decent and in order. And it must wasn't God in the midst of them doing that because God is not the author of confusion. So some would get up and prophesy and say all these things or whatever. And like I say, in a congregation, there's always someone that's going to get up just to be seen or whatever. We had one woman, she'd preached a sermon or whatever in her testimony or whatever. We had, you know, and the preacher was kind of scared to tell her to sit down because she was a big giver in the church. And I said, well, pastor, we're going to have to start reining this thing in because people are ready to go home. You didn't had, it's two hours or so before the preacher get on the flow. That don't give you much preaching time. And people don't want to hear you just speaking and speaking and it's not inspired. Paul was telling them about ways of prophesying and speaking in tongues. He says, 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 29-33, Let two or three prophets speak as, it, as inspired by the Word of God. It's not some, you know, it's always that guy or woman in church that loves to talk thinking they sound good. And when he sat down or she sat down, the people said, well, what was he talking about? Or what did, was he saying? It doesn't make any sense because... It didn't come from God. It came from them. They were trying to edify themselves. Tongues shouldn't edify the person speaking. It should edify God. It says, Let two or three prophets speak while the rest pay attention and wait carefully what is said. Notice that it says, Wait carefully what is said. But if an inspired revelation is made to another one who is seated, then the first one must be silent. For in this way, you can all prophesy one by one so that everyone may be instructed and everyone may be encouraged or comforted for the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets and the prophecies 
the prophecy is under the speaker's control and he can stop speaking. The spirit of the prophet should be subject to the prophet. That's what I was telling you about me preaching and teaching. And then some people get their physical, their physical people in the church. And they didn't got hype, you know, like the dancers and the emotion and the preacher wear back. And they say, oh, he was hooping today. And the rest of the people, well, what was he hooping about? What, what did he say or whatever? You used to the church. You used to the, uh, the physical. And I'm saying, I'm trying to weigh out what did I get out of this message or whatever. That's why I say, when God, when I speak what God had given me to speak, I stop speaking. I don't try to make you feel good. This is not a feel-good message. And that, this is a message to spiritually comfort you and lift you up and inspire you. Yes. He says, is not God the God of, of and not is not a God of confusion and disorder, but of peace and order. So God's word should bring peace and order to your lives and not a bunch of people just jumping up, speaking and saying things to be heard or whatever. It's by his word and by his commandments. So are you speaking the word of God to others as God's people? Are you going out? And it's not just in the church, it's out. That's where the comforting needed to be outside the church. That was my first point, comforting. But secondly, it's by the commandments of God. We have to establish the commandments. Jesus had to make sure that we had clarity on who he was. You know, the Jehovah Witnesses and a lot of people unclear who Jesus are. If you're a Buddhist or something else, Jesus is not just one of the prophets or a God or whatever. He is the God. His word is what it should be, and that's the word of truth. That's the way. Jesus said in the book of John, for a little clarity here, 14th chapter in the first, first through the third verse, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Yes. Now there was a lot of unbelievers during Hezekiah's day. So God wasn't talking to them. I'm not talking to the unbelievers in here. That's why I say I don't like a lot of churches preaching some and then with weddings and things also because those spirits hold you down. They're there for the good time. They're there to see them kiss the bride and then go to the reception and drink and get drunk or whatever. They're not there because of the sanctity of marriage and wedding. They're there. People are pleasure hunters looking for a good time. That's all that they believe in, living for the flesh. We want these people to be united so they wouldn't live in fornication, so they wouldn't be committing sins against God. He says, let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I'd go away to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also, and whither I go, ye know, and the way you know. Now listen at this. Now he says, in my father's house are many mansions. The prodigal son didn't have a mansion to live in. He was going to be living with his brother because he had blown his inheritance. You know, if you live all kinds of ways down here and had to sit nothing up, it says, lay up treasures in heaven. Don't be chinky with God and tight misery. You weigh out your tithes and offering. You like to 
Pharisees, you count your tithes and your mint and thing and deal to the least cent. And like I was telling you, Brother John, he would get his tithes and things, and he would give, he would round up. Do you just pay your tithes and off knowing you're giving more to God? Do you pay your offerings just, let me give God something. Don't just throw a dollar or two dollars in there, and you got hundreds of dollars in your pocket. I remember the president was sitting down, and he was trying to show himself in the church, and he pulled out a few twins and put in a basket. Well, that ain't no money to a millionaire. You should have put a check or something else in there that had some value to it. What is $60 or $100 to a multimillionaire? He says he's a billionaire, one of the richest men on earth, but you will come in here and give God $40 or $60? You know, he says, give accordingly as the Lord had blessed you. You know, with good measure. And he's going to return back unto you. So, these many mansions that laid up, are you laying up treasure in heaven? See, because if you're going around comforting others and being good to others, that's going to come back to you. Are you going around exhorting one another? Are you going around doing the work of the kingdom? It's just not monetary work. He had created you for good works. It says, Jesus went around doing good. Out of your mouth it says, speak no evil of any man. Are you starting to guard your mouth and speak good of one another? And if you don't have anything to say, you're trying to live as peaceably as possible with all men. So sometime if you don't have something good to say, you might not say anything. Situation doesn't call for you just to vainly run your mouth or whatever. You have to have that inner peace that comes from God. So a lot of us won't have those many mansions. He says you will be rewarded according to the deeds done in the body. So if you're not doing anything for the church now, are you offering up prayer? One of the things on my prayer list that I'm trying to pray for, putting the people of Ukraine, I have them on my list praying for them. Do you have a prayer list so when you go into that corporate prayer at church, that weekly prayer, when you go into intercessory prayer, are you praying for those children? I'm sure Hezekiah prayed for those children that God would bring them through that trial and tribulation he said was coming upon them because you can't stand for your children. The only thing you can stand for is yourself. Your faith is just enough to deliver you. But you can tell them about the Word of God and show them yourself as a model to you living the Word of God, living like you're a child of God. But if you live like a hellion down here and then somebody just to run up there at your funeral and say you was a good person, he was trying to straighten his life out, you should have been on that road with a straight life. We need to be following what the apostles taught us from Jesus. Because he said in the book of John, it is true their word. Whose word? The apostles' word. A lot of people used to, in the church when I was telling you about that group that was speaking in tongues and all that havoc we had in the church doing back then in those times under the former pastor before he passed away, that we had problems in sometimes you have to be strict on those things and how can I say this? Well, let me leave that alone. Because 
you we, we preach out of the New Testament, but you know the strongest example in Jesus used the Old Testament as his pattern, all of his quotes and things, because the New Testament wasn't even written then. And during the New Testament days when the apostle was going around, that's why Philip's daughters pro- prophesied, because a lot of that hadn't been stated yet, and God was giving revelations through people. But see, now it is written, so we can't add to or take to God's word. And there's a more sure word of prophecy. It's the word of God. So when preachers get out of the word of God, you could examine and weigh those things by what they're saying. Because now we have God's full revelation. Yeah, we have his full word. Don't add to or take away from his word. But see, it was the apostles' word, and there are no more apostles. If anybody tell you they're apostles, you got a problem. The office of apostle. Apostle is sent, a sent one. They're not apostle in the sense of the 12 apostles. He only had 12 apostles. Jesus himself, the chiefest of apostles, he sits in the center. First Thessalonians 4 and 1, I will read in the scripture says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received us a <coughs> Received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. We told you how God said for you to walk. And in that way, you can grow more and more, and you can be comforted, and you would be strong and be able to comfort one another. It says in the Amplified Virgin, it says, Finally, believers, we ask and admonish you in the Lord that you follow the instructions that you receive from us, about how you ought to walk and please God, just as you are actually doing. The Thessalonians was one of the churches that was walking the right way, but they had those among them who had stopped working, who wasn't working the right way, and who was looking at the Word of God. He wasn't comforting them. They were getting out of line. That's why a lot of the church, he says, now if I have to come to you, I'm going to come to you with a rod. I'm going to come to you with the Word of God. Sometimes you have to come in and, and admonish him, but sometimes you have to come in and rebuke. Sometimes you have to get the, the church in, in line. Jesus said in the book of Revelations, unless they repent, he was going to come in and fight against the church. He says, and that you excel even more and more, that he is pursuing a life of purpose and living in a way that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. For all of those people that are not in church and don't attend church, but they love God and say that they're good people and all that. No, you're not because you don't believe in God. You're not going up to the house of the Lord. It says, let us go up to the house of the Lord. He's going to put a, you have a curse on you if you don't go up to the house of the Lord because you're forsaking the assembling together of yourself. How can I comfort you in a half an hour, an hour funeral if you're never at church? How can I comfort you if you just come on Christmas and Easter? You just like the pagans or whatever. He says, if you continue in my word. Obedience is the way to God's word. It's the way to his heart. It's the way to pleasing God. That's the ones that you can comfort. But, but some people refuse to be comforted because why? They're rebellious. If they don't listen at God, they're not going to listen at you. They're not following his word. So you got relatives and things that people say, oh, he got a good heart, he got a good heart. Where you get it from? I don't know if nobody's giving out good hearts. 
I just know of one heart surgeon, and he goes in, that skilled surgeon that gives you a new heart, a heart to follow God, a heart that's obedient to God, and upon that heart, he takes and writes the owner's manual on it. He writes his laws on your heart. He gives you a heart of flesh, a heart to obey his commandments and instruction. Without that heart, don't come bringing me your nasty, defiled heart. The heart is deceitfully wicked, and nobody knows what's in that heart. I can't comfort that heart. That heart is flush. It's comforted by the things of the world and the love of the world. He's our only way to abundant life. Jesus Christ is that way. Let me stay with the texts here that I'm in. He says, to be in the world but kept from the world. And I was telling you about the world and the things of the world. And we are in the world, so let me speak to those in the world. Jesus spoke to his people that was in the world. He said, I am no longer in the world, yet they are still in, they are still in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, so that they may be one just as we are one. What's that name he has given us? Jehovah Nisi? Jehovah Sitkanu? Is it Allah? I'm giving you a name above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. In the preeminence is that name. If you don't believe in Jesus, there's no way you can have the Father. It says, if you believe in God, believe also in me. You had to believe that message that he was that one. That he came and died for you because he is your comfort. He's your peace. He's your joy. You can't have it. You can't find it nowhere else. The, the preacher can't give you anything else. So stop trying to find God through religion. Stop trying to find God through all these other things. Seek ye the kingdom of God and those things will be added to you. Jesus will find you. Jesus go call you. He's gonna bring forth godless sorrow, and He's gonna lead you. And the Father's gonna reveal the Son to you. Those two work in conjunction. They're a union, and there's a comforter that has to come into your life, and it works effectually in you. You're dead unless you have the Spirit of God. He says, "For you know what commandments and precepts we gave you by the authority, what by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we baptize you in the name. We baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That name of Jesus Christ. In that name, if you do anything in that name, if you pray to the Father, He says, "What do it in my name? That's a name above every name, and don't take that name in vain." He says. The, those that name the name of Jesus, let them depart from iniquity. Departing from iniquity, he says. He says, for this is the will of God, that you be sanctified. What is sanctification? He says, separated and set apart from sin. That means consecrated unto God, coming out from the world, coming out of Babylon. You're in the world, but you're a city within the world. That's the city of God. You Going there, you God's ambassador. You're a pilgrim now. You're no longer a, a citizen of this world. Your citizenship is in heaven. With all this calamity and confusion and distraught and earthquakes and weathers, he says, see that you be not moved. 
These things shouldn't shake you if you're in Christ. That's where your foundation is. If your anchor is in Christ, that anchor is going to hold it because it's based, it's in a rock. He's the rock of our salvation. He says that you abstain and back away from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and in honor, that he is being available for God's purpose and separated from the profane things, things that are profane or things that will make you regular and common. See, it's nothing wrong with television, but it'll make you profane and come if that becomes an idol to you. That's all you sit there and do all day is watch television, and then it changes your ideology. It's your way of thinking. It's your mindset. And now you just as the world, and you follow the things of the world because it had persuaded you. You, you didn't use it for entertainment. It says using the things of this world, but not abusing the things of this world. It says not to be used, your body is not to be used in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God and are ignorant of his will. Are you ignorant of God's will? We must learn the will of God. Because that's what we hear. And it says the word of God will guide you and lead you in all truth. But Jesus says, if you are my disciples, that is, if you continue in my word. And who did he give his word to? The apostle. That apostle doctrine that you should be following. He says he's our only way to rest in an abundant life, according to John 14 and 6. Jesus says, I am come, I am sick. Jesus said unto him, I am the way. He's talking to Philip. He says, but he's talking to all of us in Philip. What we say to one, we say to all. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming unto the Father but by me. What did Isaiah, I mean Hezekiah said? The word of God is good and it's truth. And if Jesus Christ says he's the truth, he's the way, well, that's what we should be dealing in. But Jesus says, if you love me, you want a reciprocal action. Love reciprocates. In other words, love gives back. Love does for one another. And you're appreciative of what God did. So Hezekiah, to show his appreciation of what God done for him, he says he was going to humble himself and come into the house of God and sing and praise his name. He says, because the dead can't praise you. The dead know not, not nothing. So God gave him life and Hezekiah promised to praise God. How many of us, God have done so much for, but you don't come into the church and praise God and do the works of God? Yeah, you can praise him outside the church, but you're not setting an example for that little fella. You're not setting an example for anyone else because he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. See, that's the, where the comfort is, is in the exercising of use of God's word. He says, he says, and I, if, if you love me, keep my commandments. Listen at this, how this sinks together. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Then he says, the next phrase is, and I will pray the Father. See, he knows the order. You have to go to God. He tells us, ask the Father in 
anything in my name. He says, if you would keep my commandments, he says, I will pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter because he wasn't going to be here. He says, I am leaving. I'm no longer in the world, but I'm going to give you another comforter that he may be able to abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. I'll tell you, the truth is what matters. Hezekiah was a man that trusted God and knew the truth. Do we know the truth? The truth is what sets us free. That's what makes us free. Walking in the truth. That comforter that he may abide with you, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because he's not going to give it to you if you're not loving him and walking in his commandments. The world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him not, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. So the kingdom of God is among you, but to those of you who are walking and can be comforted, he will come in and comfort you. That's why he says, and shall be in you. But he's, he, he has to be out of you before he bees in you. Then you could know the comfort. Then your warfare is over with. When he comes in and lives, he's the comforter. He's the God of all comforters. That's when you have a peace and a joy that the world can't take it away. Nothing going on around you can remove that peace from you. Now listen at the 18th verse through the 21st verse. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live, and you shall live also. Now you begin to live. You begin to have comfort and peace that... Sometimes you just sit there and smile when the world's falling all down around you. You can pray for others when they can't pray for themselves. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that had my commandments and keepeth them. It's not good just to have the word of God or the book and not keeping the commandments. He says, and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest. In other words, I'll show you. I'll show myself to you in everyday life. I'll manifest myself in everything you do because you can't do nothing without me. You can do your own works and feed the needy, but if he says, I never knew you, you're not comfortable. You're irritated because you don't have Christ. You still introverted. You're looking in on yourself. But we have more brothers and sisters, those to come in and comfort us and give us the word of God and help instruct us. He says, I will not leave you the commission. The commission. Remember, I told you the great commission was to us. He says, Go ye into all the world making disciples. But you have to be a disciple before you can make disciples. I have to have something before I can give it to you. You don't catch a cold. Someone gives you a cold. you free of the cold. you free of the virus, but you can catch it from someone else. They give it to you. They give that to you. That's why they says. Wearing a mask protects you and yourself, or you and the person around you. Now, 
you can't, I can't give you the Holy Ghost. That's one thing that's different. That's one thing you do have to catch. God has to give you that. That's part of the Great Commission. Holiness is not contagious. Holiness is not contagious. Now, sin is contagious. That can be transferred around. But if God has you and God saves you and come unto you, our only true comfort and delight and peace and joy can be found in Him. That sanctifying effect, that thing that sets you apart, only God can birth you into the body of Christ through His Spirit. John 17 and 13 says, But now I am coming to you, and I say these things while I'm still in the world, that you may experience my joy and be made full and complete and perfect within them. In other words, filling their hearts with delight. You, you realize that joy and delight when you, Christ comes into your heart. There's a peace and a joy that no one can take away. There's a comfort. That's why it says, let not your heart be troubled. See, because he's given you a new heart, and with this heart, you can comfort one another. He says, comfort one another with these words. What? His word. His word. That's why some people can't boost you off, because they don't have the spirit. How they going to boost you off? But that Holy Ghost, that spirit... It is inspirational, and you says, look, he's just like Simon the Sorcery says, that power you have, give me that power so I can give it to others. He says, no, your heart is not right, and you desperately wicked. God's not going to give it because you're motivated by the wrong thing. Are you motivated by love? Are you motivated by seeking God? Is he the one that's drawing you? Godly sorrow is turning your back on the world and the things of the world because you sin against God and God only. And God, give me peace. Give me the joy of my salvation. You walking around here as a Christian and don't have no joy. Well, nobody's going to want that salvation you got if you don't have joy and a peace of mind. If you go to pieces about what's going on in the world, if you go to pieces about things that's happening in your life and that you're about to die and it's happening, well, God give it and God take it away. Job said, Job says, I know my redeemer living and I shall see him in my body, I shall see God. You have that. It's a time to live and a time to die. You're not afraid of death. God has conquered that. Jesus Christ has took the sting and the victory away from it. We're not fearing the one who can destroy the body. We're fearing the one who can destroy the whole soul and body in hell. He says, I've given, I've given to them your word. That's the message that you give to me. Give the gospel away. Don't give the cold or germ away. Give the gospel, the good news, the tidings. That's what comfort men. I have good news. God has sent his son to die for us and reconcile us back to him. I'm back in the state I was in the beginning. I know him. I'm comfortable in that. Simon was comfortable in that. Anna was comfortable in that. Simon, after he held the baby Jesus, he says, Lord, it is enough. I'm ready to die. He was so old, it wasn't nothing to live for. He had seen Jesus. What else you going to see after you see Jesus? What can top seeing Jesus? Nothing. Anna and all of them, it says, you shall see salvation. God's going to give you salvation after you see him. 
I'll get to you in a minute, son. He says, And the world has hated them because they are not of the world and do not belong to the world, just as I am not of the world. He says, And do not belong to it. He says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you would keep them and protect them from the evil one. That's some protection and comfort because that's what Christ prayed. Don't take them out of the world. They will have trial and tribulation, but keep them from the evil. Keep them from those things. If he's keepful, he says, he know how to keep that which I've committed unto him. I've committed my whole heart, body, soul, and mind unto him. I belong to him. He knows those that are his. He has us marked. He says, they are not of the world, just like I'm not of the world. We can't be of the world. He says, sanctify them. Sanctify them in the truth. There goes that truth again. That's the one Ezekiah said was good. Sanctify them in the truth. Apart from your purposes, make them holy. Make them holy. Your word is truth. Just as you commissioned me and sent me into the world. That's why I say he was an apostle. He was a sent one. And he sends us into the world. He commissioned us to go ye into all the world preaching the gospel and teaching it. Making disciples of all nations. Of all men. Of everyone. Just tell everyone about Jesus. He says, just if you sent me into the world, I also have commissioned and sent them into the world. He sent his believers into the world. Now, that's going to be some false people out there. But his true people should be out in the world spreading that, what he had given to them. Spreading the seed, the seed of the sword. For their sake, I sanctify myself to do your will, so that they also may be sanctified. So we're sanctified because he sanctified himself. The only way others can be sanctified is that we sanctify ourselves, that we be sanctified, set apart. Read that whole book of First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, and the sixth of the fourth chapter, First Thessalonians, about that sanctification. What is our sanctification? He says. See, his word is meat to a hungry soul. When his disciples went away, Jesus sat by the woman at the well. And he said unto his people when they came to him, they had went away to get food. But Jesus said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Herefore said the disciples one to another, Had any man brought him to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Is that your meat? Is that what you laboring for? The word of God? That's... He says, labor not for the word of uh, the meat that doesn't satisfy, the bread that doesn't satisfy. Are you working for your paycheck? Or are you working for the Lord? The paycheck is just a way of uh, recompensing a way for you to live physically in the world. That's why I say if you're working, you're working unto the Lord because we know the Lord says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. You're less than an infidel. So as we grow older, we may pray, we may do other things. It's just the type work we do, we keep on. But that's why he says, all those that are heavy laden come unto me and rest. Because God is doing the work. Heavenly Father is our comfort. 
And I, see, I didn't go through it all because I said peace is a component peace. And he says, my peace I give unto you. Yeah. Not as the world give it, he says, but my peace I give unto you. Do you have peace? Let me ask you that. Do you have peace? John 14 chapter says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give it, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again, because come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice, because I said I go to the Father, and my Father is greater than I. There he is not equaling himself with the Father. He says, my Father is greater than I, and I go to the Father. He's our advocate with the Father. He says, I give you peace. My peace I give unto you. He breathed on him. You remember he says, peace be unto you. That's the component that we need. Does the comforter live within you? He says, he would give the Holy Spirit whom the Father would live send in his name to be a comforter. He will guide you and lead you into all truths. Are we wanting to walk in all truths today? Are we walking in those truths? Because that's what he was sent here for to do. The comforter. If we would not grieve or quench the spirit, he's going to do his job. And that job's going to be magnified. You know, even if we're praying to God and know not what to say or know how to pray, he says his spirit make it intercession for us because we know not how to pray. Sometimes your kids or someone hurts you so bad, you don't know what to say to God to go there and wail and cry like Hannah did. Her feelings were so hurt that that woman had hurt her so bad she didn't have children, she didn't have anything, but she was so fervent and effectual in her praying that the priest came to her and Eli says, woman, you drunk, what's wrong with you? And he says, I'm not drunk as you suppose. I'm drunk in the spirit. That's what it Be full of the spirit. He says, God grant you your petition. That's what the apostle said. He says, we keep his commandment. Thus, when we pray, we have that what we pray for. When you pray, some people say, I'm praying for world peace. Jesus says, keep them in the world, but from the things of the world. That's what you pray to. He's our comforter. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, Lord God, asking you to give us that comfort whereby we were comforted and can be comforted by you in the walk in your way, Lord God. Lord God, you give us a comfort that no man can give us, Lord God, that the world cannot give us, Lord God, and that we should comfort ye one another. Help us to be comforters and do that which you had purposed in us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.